0: Welcome, welcome all to the Pro Football Radio Podcast. This is your co-host Jay Chuma with the pride and joy of Merrimack, New Hampshire, Puma, and the Pro Football Radio Senior contrib- Contributor, Eric Burgess, the Burge. Fellas, welcome in. Happy Thanksgiving.
1: Yeah, happy Thanksgiving, y'all. Uh, it can't come soon enough. I'm ready to be in a football coma. And uh, hopefully not burn the house down. Making ham <laughs> on Thursday, so it's gonna be it's gonna be a good time.
2: Happy Thanksgiving, guys! I'm ready for the three F's of, of uh, Thanksgiving: football, family, and food. Let's go!
1: Yes, yes. Nice. I gotta do laundry though. I gotta I gotta I gotta get the sweatpants ready. And
2: it's in the get that done pile. tomorrow.
1: That that's the plan. I'm gonna I'm working till five. I'm going to haul ass out of here, go get the ham and uh, all the other shit that I need. And then as soon as I get home, just throw it all in the wash. Be ready. I got to stretch. I got to limber up a little bit. Make sure the midsection's good to go. We'll be all right.
0: Question. Favorite Thanksgiving food. Go.
1: Mm. Turkey, stuffing, and gravy. That's really all I
0: care about. Mm-hmm. I was going to say stuffing. Stuffing is, is my go-to, man. Like... Uh, that's what I'm tasked with, um, you know, doing this this year for the family. I'm going back home, and uh, you know, everybody's got their their things they're supposed to make uh, out of all of our brothers and sisters, and I'm tasked with making the uh, the stuffing. Nice. But what I do is I buy the stovetop stuffing, and then I doctor that up, you know.
2: Mhm. <laughs> mhm. <laughs> give me talk- a
0: plate. Give me a
2: plateful of mashed potatoes all day. Mm. I could eat a whole plateful of that with my turkey and gravy and be just fine.
0: Yep. Thanksgiving is definitely my favorite holiday, man. You, you get some food. You get some football. It's uh, it's pretty good, man. Life is good. And i I'll tell you what. I always say this. I always say this. You know how, like, people love to hate America. People that don't live in America. You know, you got these... These you know people in the Middle East or people in in you know in in China. Are you wearing I, a of I mean, hat right now? I, you I, I, know, no, listen, I, listen, I do believe if they spent a Thanksgiving with us, they wouldn't hate us so much. Like like you come over, you eat some food, you watch some football. I mean, like it's just. You know? Hey, <laughs> I'm just saying. i just saying Thanksgiving should be like you know how there's those uh, those college programs where you can go internationally and like go study abroad. Oh it my should be, God. There should be something like that for for holidays. We come over. They come over here. We go over there. I may mean, be am I am I crazy here? It'd be a great foreign
1: exchange for Thanksgiving. Wouldn't it be a great idea? Nah. You know, I,
0: I go celebrate the Chinese New Year over there. I learn about their culture. They come to America. They watch some football with me. Eat some turkey. Like I think it's a brilliant idea.
2: Good educational experience. That's <laughs> I'm, for sure. I'm just
0: saying. I'm just saying. People would hate us less if they saw just how joyous Thanksgiving was. Best holiday of all time.
1: Oh yeah, hanging out with your drunk uncle Ray, talking about politics right before kickoff of the Lions game. By by the second game, you're you're ready to like kill somebody. Yeah, yeah, no, totally festive. All about family. Yes, drunk Ray.
0: Oh my god. All right, well, uh, let's give the people a quick rundown of what the podcast is going to consist of this week. We're going to jump in and talk about the Tua situation in uh, Miami land. We'll talk about the Patriots and their loss to the 2-7 and seven pathetic Houston Texans. Uh, <laughs> we'll, jump, we'll jump into the next week's game, which will include uh, the football team versus the Cowboys, the Ravens versus Steelers, the Titans versus Colts, uh, the Chiefs versus the Buccaneers. We'll talk about the Chicago Bears versus the Green Bay Packers on Sunday Night Football. And then the last game we're going to discuss is going to be the Seahawks versus the Philadelphia Eagles. And then, as always, we'll give you guys a take it to the bank parlay, and then we'll talk through some uh, some fantasy bullets with uh, with the Burge himself. So, uh, with uh, with any further ado, you guys ready to do this?
1: Yeah, real quick, can we talk about how like the game interest like kind of went up, and then once we reached like the Buccaneers Chiefs game, like that was the crescendo, and then like the back two is kind of like who really gives a shit mm-hmm. like the bears suck <laughs> and the eagles are a gas can yeah. like perfect yeah. embodiment of like raising the bar like at and style <laughs> well,
0: i'm just i'm just sick and tired of the nfl forcing the nfc's down our throats like i understand there's some really big media markets in that division, but I am just so, so sick and tired of turning on like a primetime game and seeing the Cowboys at three and seven or the Eagles at two and five and one or whatever the records are. It's just a bad conference and I'm tired of the NFL forcing down with those man.
1: Like I was going to say, like maybe we do like the lions Texas game over the Eagle Seahawks, but like Russell Wilson, Trump's all, mm-hmm. but like at least we're going to see points being scored in the Lions game. Like, Carson Wentz just might throw three interceptions that look like, you know, <laughs> yeah. me drunk trying to throw a football in the backyard. or It's really right. like me on a normal day. We all know that. Um, yeah, it's just going to be brutal on primetime. I thought like
0: Carson Wentz is bad, man. and We'll get to that. But I, I oh, yeah. think I think we need to talk, start talking about, is it time to bench Carson Wentz, man? Mm -hmm. But all that is going to come later on down the road. We will start with the Miami Dolphins going up to Denver, losing uh, 20 to 13. I believe was the final score. Um, There's some drama coming out of this game because I believe midway through the third quarter, Tua was pulled and Ryan Fitzpatrick came in to try to give uh, the Dolphins a chance to win. And I know our resident Dolphins fan. Um, the guy that likes to make out with the Dan Marino poster in his uh, in his bedroom. No, wants, no, wants no! It's not a poster. Us... It's a cutout. It's a cutout. It's not a <laughs> wants to give us a a uh, an analysis of what he thinks is going on. So the floor is yours, sir. Let us have it.
1: So uh, this is this is why I was never drinking the Kool Aid of the Dolphins could win the AFC East. Like I I, I couldn't get behind it. They lost, like you said, Jay, 13-20 to 20 against Denver. They, this was the first time that they were favorites in a game at all this year. They entered the game as three-and-a-half-point favorites. And they just got they got coached by Vic Fangio on, on all sides of the football, which is saying something because he's a defensive-minded coach. But, I mean, that defense was getting home against this offensive line. That was my biggest concern going into this year. Uh, Tua got sacked six times. He got pulled uh, towards the end of the third, possibly the beginning of the fourth quarter. Uh, Tua ended his day 11-20 for 83 yards and one touchdown. Uh, and they transitioned over to Ryan Fitzpatrick. And, you know, they they said that the change wasn't because of an injury. They just wanted to get a spark going uh, to try to win this game. And, you know, three weeks ago I was told going to Tua Tunga-Vailoa right now gives this team the best chance to win. And they benched a quarterback that was – completing 70% of his passes was actually being really smart with the football despite the interception he threw at the end of the game uh, versus Denver. But prior to that, he was really smart with the ball. He really wasn't putting it in harm's way that much short of that first week showing uh, against the, the New England Patriots, where I think he had like two or three interceptions in that game. But beyond that, he was smart with the ball. And you know, Fitz ended his day 12 of 18 for 117 yards and uh, in one interception. But you could immediately see to the eye test that this team seemed to resonate a bit more with Ryan Fitzpatrick back there. And I, I, I don't understand, like you, you're a playoff team. You told us that going to Tua is the best for this team moving forward to, to win. Now you are a playoff contender. If you would have handled your business this week against Denver, you would have been in the catbird seat right behind Buffalo still uh, fighting for that division lead. And it's not like Tua got pulled down 20 points he got pulled uh you know they were down i believe one score at the time uh possibly maybe only 10 points if anything uh and he was still there and you needed to you 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 need to develop this kid under fire and especially in the two minute drill and i i just don't understand what they're doing and i think it sends unintended messages to this locker room like what what are you supposed to do we're now in a close game moving forward and it's you know two minute drill are we going to go to ryan fitzpatrick moving forward there was a lot of head scratching things done by brian flores that this is the first time where i really have to question what the hell he was thinking and it to it didn't get hurt he didn't go into this game with an injury designation he didn't come out with an injury designation so i i don't i don't know what to make of this move but i'm not a fan at all
0: puma let me ask you a question Mm-hmm. The fact that he pulled Tua so quickly, and put um, oh, what's his face uh, Fitzpatrick back into the game, it seemed like maybe he really wasn't. Uh, how do I say this? Like, this is this hard to explain? Because I-, I think maybe Tua was started because he got pressure from up top. And now, at the first sign of any sort of trouble, you know, usually a coach lets the young rookie quarterback go through it. He has to pull him immediately, right? Saying almost like, well, I told you so. Let me throw my guy back in there. Did you get any sense of that? Because that's how I read the situation a little bit.
1: A, a little bit? Not, not a whole lot. I, I, it's, it's hard to say. I think maybe that might've been something going into it. I don't know if he saw how Tua got sacked by, Brand, uh, I think it was Brandon Chubb. I think that was the sixth sack where he kind of landed awkwardly on his hip, um, but it's just so head scratching. Like, even if this is, you know, you you, you not a fan of having Tua start this year, right? Like I was in the camp of you just have Tua in bubble wrap and just watch this season. I, I had zero faith in this offensive line. You can go back to the draft when when we took him. Like I was not a fan of starting him right away. Like there were still so many questions about the hip and there still are apparently despite what Flores wants to say. Um I, part of me thinks maybe this was an ownership call, but then you have to think like what are the unintended consequences? Like you know, Xavier Howard probably was tired of getting his ass handed to him by Tim Patrick and Drew Locke in the third and fourth quarter when they started getting a connection going. And Noah Fant was kind of torching that secondary as well too. But, like, nobody was pulling them out of the game. And they're in a playoff contending uh, playoff contending team right now. I just think there's a ton of unintended consequences that came from this move. And uh, I, I, I don't know how these Dolphins fan pages that I follow – are, are actually, like, accepting the fact that we did this in a game that we could have won. It, it, it's just mind-boggling to me.
2: It's, it's definitely interesting that they, they made the decision to, to yank him in this game. Um, he was sacked six times. Uh, you know, I think it could have something to do with, you know, the health factor and wanting to protect him. Um, I also, Jay, I agree with you. This could have came, the, the whole decision to start him overall. But it yeah. came from from up top
0: because it seemed like, you know, Brian Flores was so ready and so quick to make that move. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and usually speaking. Right. And I, this is the way I see it. Right. I do believe this is the first misstep by Brian Flores. I do believe everything he's done so far. I've been a big fan of. I like mm-hmm. the fact that he went to Tua, uh, you know, essentially, you know, gave him a team that was firing on all cylinders, um, helping them win. But I think, you know, I understand that Tua had a bad game. But that's expected. I mean, this is this is his fourth start. I mean, he's played decently well for those games, and he's had one little hiccup. And you're going to pull the plug immediately. And, and the reason why you know I, I want I, I brought that up is because you know John Harbaugh essentially had that same situation where he had to make a decision as well. In the playoff game two years ago, I believe, you know, Lamar Jackson, his first year starting, Mm -hmm. stinking it up, couldn't pass the ball, looked like he didn't know what was going on, didn't belong in an NFL field. And even the fans were chanting for Joe Flacco to step in, right? The fans were booing him. But unfortunately, I mean, fortunately, John Harbaugh had the foresight to see down the road that hey, I'm gonna need this kid. I need to build his confidence. Let me stick with him and see what happens. And you take that loss. It's okay. You take that loss for the betterment of your your uh, young young quarterback's confidence. And I think that's where Brian Flores fucked up. And and I and I do and I was buying into that hype that maybe the Dolphins can make a run with the AFC East title. Um, but but after seeing that move and and seeing just how much you know disorganization there could be behind the scenes. I, I think there might be some serious issues in the locker room because there might be a camp that wanted Fitzpatrick to start and a camp that wanted Tua to start, and now the the coach is giving you a, a little bit of a doubt in, in, in your mind as well. So I don't know, man. It'll be interesting see how this pans out.
1: And, 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 you know, not to put this loss on just Tua. Like, they were only down a score going into the fourth quarter. But, like, on all sides of the football, like, they didn't have any pass rush this game they they got that one interception off of Drew Lock by Xavier Howard, but you know this is the one game where you could look at this defense and say okay, like if they're not able to generate any sort of form of pass rush, this secondary is kind of average. And they, you know Tim Patrick had himself a day. I think he ended with uh, with almost like a hundred receiving yards at, at one point, and then they just ran all over him between uh, Melvin Gordon and and uh, Philip Lindsay, but. You know, back to the drinking the Kool-Aid bit and how I wasn't doing it. You know, if if Ryan Fitzpatrick would have been the quarterback the entire time, I I would have started drinking the Kool-Aid. I would have definitely said on paper they might be the better team in the AFC East just because of their quarterback play up until that point. But now, I mean, it's a goddamn crapshoot, and I'm not the only one feeling a certain type of way about this. And. It's it's not like the schedule gets any easier. I mean, they have a couple of layup games they're going against the Bengals in the next couple in within 2 weeks. Uh but then like they get into divisional games. They I think they play the Chiefs and then they have the uh the Jets this week. Um and then Bengals and then it's Chiefs. They end the season with the Buffalo Bills. I think they have one more date with New England at that point and it's not like any of these games are going to be gimmies and even even the Jets, like, they've been froggy. They can make things interesting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They almost came back against the Chargers, and part of that was the Chargers charging, but part of that was Joe Flacco turning into Joe Namath in the fourth quarter again. <laughs> so who, who
2: who knows at this point? I'm not ready to write off the Dolphins for the AFC East yet. They do have that meeting with with Buffalo at the end of the year, you know, and let's just hope that this is an anomaly for, for Tua, for, for all those Dolphins fans out there. You know, he comes back, he responds next week. We're not talking about this anymore. Mm, I
1: hope so. I hope so. Because if he struggles against the Jets and Greg Williams is going to dial up as many exotic blitzes as he can against this young quarterback, that's that's going to be interesting to see is how does he, you know, face that kind of adversity. Because he's going he's to take a lot of hard hits. Greg Williams is a dirty coach. We've all seen that throughout the years, and we've seen that this year against Denver. He doesn't give a damn. So mm-hmm. I want to see what he's going to do.
0: Well, before we move off the subject, give us a quick preview. Of who you think is going to win that game? What's the final score and how do you see it playing out?
1: What, the Jets? Jets, uh, uh, Dolphins game. Dolphins? Yeah, with two are starting, the, correct? Uh, yeah, uh, they came out and said he's the starting quarterback. It wasn't injury-related. Um, I, I still think it's bullshit. But um, let's see. The, I think it's going to be closer than what it really needs to friggin' be. Um, the Dolphins are a seven-point favorite. I think they might win by a field goal. <laughs> I, I, I really, I honestly don't feel confident going into this game. I just have a vibe that this is going to be like a trap game. This will be like the one time the Jets actually show up uh, <laughs> and, and 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 win a football game because they've been froggy the last couple of weeks. So this might be the one time where they screw up their plan and win a football game against the the Miami Dolphins.
2: Like I, faith, I just man. don't feel comfortable. Have some faith.
1: I mean, I have faith, but I'm also a realist, and this offensive line is a sieve, and we saw that against Denver (laughs) with, you know, a a very, it was Brandon Chubb, or Bradley Chubb, and like, you know, insert name here, and they got six sacks. Like, if they're able to, you know, make Tua be quick and get hurried and not go through his progressions, I have zero faith in this offensive line. Like, I, mm mm-mm, nope. This might be the one game where if Quentin Williams is active, he might end up with three sacks. I would not be surprised.
0: At Puma, I think you're like me, man, where like, um, I think like I hate my team more than anything else if they lose. So like, I think that's where me and you come into play. And I think uh, Burge is a little different. He's more of the optimist, right?
2: <laughs> trying to be. I'm trying to be. They're testing me this year.
0: Well, speaking of optimism and uh, Burge's team and my team, the New England Patriots unfortunately lost again to the Houston Texans. They went down to – uh, Houston and got their asses actually handed to them. Uh, Houston, uh, the Patriots are four and six now. Um, Burge, what are your thoughts on this game? <sighs> they
2: lost another winnable game, and um, let's just say they missed an opportunity to gain some ground in the AFC East uh, with the Buffalo Bills on a bye and the Dolphins, like we just talked about, losing to the Broncos. You know, I this team is so Jekyll and Hyde this year. I um, it's 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 tough to watch uh, you know given what we just got to witness for the last 20 years. Um, but you know I I want to know what the hell the game plan was going into this game. Okay, you you have Damien Harris coming off a 100 uh, 100 yard performance last week against the Ravens and they come out it looked great on the first two drives. You know, they're giving him the ball. he got seven carries, 36 yards, and he ended up punching it in the end zone. And then he was effectively gone after that. He finished with 11 carries for 43 yards. I said it last week on the pod that the coaching staff could get in the way of this team winning a game against the worst rushing defense in the league, and they sure as hell went away from that. And... Look what happened. I mean, you had Cam Newton out there throwing the ball 40 times. Like, you have the worst rushing defense in the league out there. Why did you go away from your best running back and effectively just give the game away? Like, I, I, I don't understand why this team is so Jekyll and Hyde, uh, especially in the offensive side of the ball. Cam Newton looked pretty decent in the game. Um, I definitely do not fault him at all for this loss. Um, he had a beautiful touchdown throw to Bird that long that long forty-two yard reception uh, in the game to Bird. It was a beautiful throw and a beautiful catch on that play. But I, it seems the coaching staff is having a hard time getting out of their own way when it comes to uh, you know planning these games and scheming these game plans for this offense.
0: Bird, let me let me ask you a question, and I think this still relates to Cam Noonan. And I'm watching him on Sunday. And are we sure that Cam Newton's shoulder is completely healthy? Because there was times in that game where he's throwing simple, easy, route, easy passes that are only seventy yards, you know, to the receiver, and it's going in the dirt or it's wildly inaccurate. And, and it didn't really dawn on me until I saw him throw the last play of the game. And if you guys remember this, the last play of the game was essentially a Hail Mary situation. They're around the 40-yard line. They're on 40-yard line. And he has to throw the ball 60 yards into the end zone. He throws the ball, and he makes it to the 15-yard line. It doesn't even make it to the end zone. Like, it travels 50 mm-hmm. yards max. And then in the NFL, I don't care who you are. I mm-hmm. don't care if you have the biggest arm on the planet or the smallest arm in the end play. If you're the NFL, you better be able to throw the ball from middle of the field into the end zone. And that's why I bring that question up: Is are we truly, uh, you know, um, do we under, do we do we know if Cam Roon is healthy or not?
2: I mean, I you know, I I've said it all here. I mean, every throw looks like he's put everything he has into it, mm-hmm. regardless of how deep it is. I mean, that reception again was I think the first touchdown to a wide receiver all season for the Patriots, yep. but it had to have been the longest pass of the season as well. Yeah, like, oh, oh yeah, of course, yeah, like. Every throw, when he when he's, he drops back there to pass, looks like he's putting everything he has into it. And I give him credit for doing it and hanging in there. Like, he, you know, everything that's happened to him this year, you know, I, and how bad he's played, I, I respect his attitude and the way he's handling it. Um, but, again, it comes down to the coaching. Why are you making this guy throw the ball 40 times? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. And, I mean, you know, again, we can talk about the offense all day. They put up 20 points. Yeah. And, you know, it is what it is. But – what about, what about the strength of the team? The secondary. The, supposedly the strength of the team. You get your best cornerback back in Gilmore. They got torched by Will Fuller and, and Brandon Cooks in this
0: game. Hey, man, I, I think I'm ready to write this defense off. Oh, I am too. I I think this defense is not good. I I think we were um, hoodwinked into thinking they were good. And I think for me, the trouble started when Joe Flacco on Monday Mm -hmm. night, two nights ago, essentially looked like Joe Montana, the second coming of Joe Montana, Mm -hmm. right? I was thinking, like, oh my God, there's absolutely no way Joe Flacco's going to be able to move the ball, but he's just throwing dimes that gets nothing. Mm -hmm. I'm like, all right, fine. It's one aberration. Let's, Let's put that behind us. Let's move on. The next week, Lamar Jackson had one of his better performances Mm -hmm. throwing the ball in a fucking monsoon. Right. Like in a monsoon, he was able to move the ball through the air with 250 yards, which is a lot for Lamar Jackson. And then this week you saw uh, you saw Deshaun Watson. I mean, the, the numbers are absolutely silly. Like I know Deshaun Watson is a good player, but he's not this good. He's not 28, 37, yep. 344 yards, two touchdowns. And nobody's even putting their hands on him. Right. Mm-hmm. And and receivers are running wide open. And I think what hurt me the most was watching. Uh, I forget who the, the, the wide receiver was that. Took the ball like at the five yard line, ran over Devin McCourty into the end zone. No, Eventually, that was Watson. That was Watson. That was Watson. That that Watson. Touchdown on the ground. Like, dude, he just he just yeah. like bulldozed into the end zone. And I'm thinking to myself, my God, like, where's the heart? Like, I mean, like, put up, a, put up a better fight, man. So I'm just sad that we've gone to this point. And I think the biggest thing that we want to take away from this is, I do believe the weakest link on this team is the coaching staff. I do believe week in and week out, we sit here talking about offense, defense, and there have been spurts where the offense and defense has played good. But I think consistently, this coaching staff, I don't know if they're trying to do too much. I don't know if they're trying to wring something out of the players they have on the field. I don't know if they they don't have the horses on you know, defense and offense to make those adjustments and actually come up with a good game plan. I don't know what it is, but consistently, week in and mm-hmm. week out, we come in here and we say the coaching staff is one of the weakest links of that game.
2: You know, just another note on this, The the, the two times that Newton was sacked, and even on the last play of the game, uh, or not necessarily the last play of the game, but on that that real true final opportunity they had to get into the end zone to tie the game, um, you look at the left side of the line, obviously Isaiah Wynn getting hurt in the game was a huge, huge deal at the end. And Illuminor, who they brought in to play left tackle, uh, him and Joe Tooney got completely confused on that fourth down play and let a free uh, free rusher come in at Cam Newton, I pretty much busted that entire play up. Cam Newton did a great job trying to extend that play and, and try to make something out of it, and it just didn't work. But again, on that play too, all the wide receivers went to the end zone. Mm-hmm. Why aren't you running a four or four, five-yard freaking stick route and just turn and look for the ball? Mm-hmm. Everybody went out. like Run to the sticks and get the ball. Again, coaching staff, coaching staff.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, And um, Mm -hmm. I'm going to open this question up to you, Puma, and to you, Burge, but I don't know if you guys got to see that last play. Am I wrong for thinking somebody in the NFL should be able to make that throw and get the ball into the end zone? Like, it's an embarrassment that the ball didn't make it to the end zone. He made it to the 15-yard line uh, of the opposing field.
1: No, I, I don't think so. And, I mean, you can look at the quarterbacks in the league that have the air quote, you know, not the strongest arm. And, like, Daniel Jones, for example, right? Like, he came out of the, out of Duke with the label of he didn't have a strong enough arm, but it was a good enough arm. And, like, he can make that throw to at least get to the end zone and just see what the hell happens. Uh, I'm kind of with UJ. I think he is dinged up a bit more than what the Patriots are, are leading on in the injury report kind of deal. Uh, I mean, he, he, he has a history of shoulder issues, so I, I don't think it's beyond – that much of a realm of possibility that the shoulder is aggravating a bit more. Uh, But, you know, Burj, before you get to answering that question real quick, just to piggyback on the coaching, I just don't think they know what the hell they want to do. Like, I, I feel like they, they want to go back to the roots and be like a timing-based system. But, like, we all know that they are a power-running team. And, like, they were able to run the football down the throat of Baltimore last week. They should have, on paper, mashed on the ground in this game. And I, I was just surprised that they went away from the run so quickly, especially when Damian Harris, when the game wasn't that far out of hand, when they started getting into, we're just going to throw the ball all over the field and see what happens.
2: No, I mean, he had four carries the rest of the game after the first two drives. And, yep. you know, it seems like the coaching staff is still trying to come up with ways to scheme a game plan rather than just focus on the identity of the team. The identity of the team is, the, is to run the ball and open up the passing game because you can't count on the passing game with the weapons and the quarterback that you have. And, like, and even if, like, James White dropping the ball, like, a few times, like, we were told in
1: camp, that Damian Harris has, like, soft hands. Like, yeah. he can catch the ball out of the backfield. So why aren't you using him a bit more in, in the passing game, especially with Rex Burkhead going down? And, and you guys would know this more than me. You know, when Rex Burkhead went down, were they just down to James White and Damian Harris as yep. the active running yep. backs on the yep. roster that day? Yep. Michelle okay. was
2: active. yep. Got it.
0: Yeah, and, and and I think looking forward a little bit, um, you know, we don't, we're not going to pick this game, so we'll just briefly – preview here right now you know the the Patriots are welcoming in the red-hot Arizona Cardinals into Gillette Stadium this weekend and and I say you know There's no way in hell we're going to win this game if Kyler Murray is healthy. If Kyler Murray is healthy and his shoulder is not hurting him, him, DeAndre Hopkins, Darius Fitzgerald is going to eat the secondary alive. There's no evidence for me to not believe that. Now, obviously, if Kyler is not healthy and he has some issues and he's limited, then I do believe we have a chance of winning. But the bigger picture of, of this season is I finally got to the point where I'm writing the Patriots obituary. Like, this shit's over. I don't even care if we make the playoffs because it's going to be a, a straight-up annihilation, um, but there's no way we're making the playoffs. It, it, there's a daunting task uh, ahead of us. I mean, this sucks to say it because it's only, you know, what is it, November 24th, and we've got to start talking about draft prep and start looking at, you know, mock drafts and see whether the picks are going to draft. So um, I'm done with this team for this year. They're not going to do anything, and I'll be surprised if they win this week.
2: I mean, I'm going to get into every game the rest of the year and still hold faith that they're going to find a way to squeak in with the extra playoff. Spot. Well,
0: of, course, so I'm not, of course, I'm going to watch. I mean, it's not like I'm going to stop watching this team. But no, I, I just understand this team is not going anywhere. Like my my like I'm protecting my emotions here, right? I, <laughs> I'm just I'm just telling myself it's not going to happen, so I don't get let down. I'll say this
1: in a in a messed up way because of the recent procedures that the league and the union agreed to. If they start postponing games. They are going to expand the playoff field, so if they're able to string some wins together in the event that games may be postponed, and we're going to get to this in the the Steelers-Ravens game Mm -hmm. with how many people are coming down with COVID or on the COVID list right now, there is a possibility that there may be an avenue of squeaking by, and they may not be the only team that benefits – from that new uh, ruling that the union and the the, uh, the owners agreed to, I think it was like two weeks ago.
2: Mm-hmm. And you know, you, you saw a lot of this in uh, in other sports early. Uh, you know, earlier on this summer, hockey like five hundred teams made it into the playoffs, and that never happens in the NHL. And some of them won a playoff round, so you never know. But you know, getting back to this team, they're so Jekyll, Jekyll and Hyde that. I have zero expectations going into any game, whether or not they're going to win or not. But it's not, gonna, it's not going to surprise me. For example, they come out and they beat the Cardinals on, on Sunday and you know they somehow find a way to beat the Rams on Thursday night football. I won't be surprised if that happens. I'm not going to say that I'm expecting them to win or that I even think that they're even going to come close to winning but it will not surprise me if a completely different version of this team shows up on those days. I don't, I don't think they're going to win Sunday, but you never know.
0: Yeah.
1: Burge, real quick, do you, do you, I don't think you got a chance to answer this. Uh, my bad for stepping on you. But did you, do you think, like Jay, Jay and I, that Cam has a, a bum shoulder, or is that just what Cam is right now?
2: Look, on that Hail Mary, that ball's going to get in the end zone. Hell, they completed the pass. The mm-hmm. pass was completed mm-hmm. at the 15-yard line. That ball's got to be in the end zone when he's throwing it from where he was. I don't care who you are. They they were more or less at midfield, maybe a little bit further back, right? They were at the Patriots 40 approximately. That's got to get at least at least to the goal line.
0: Burge, I, 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 listen, I I think I think that his not cut you off there, but I'm just so disappointed in Cam because I, I for for I thought that, you know, listen, he's not going to be Tom Brady. I understand that. And I know he's still learning our offense. We can't expect him to know this, you know, off the top of his head just yet. But at least you know what the defense is going to do. At least you're doing film study. Like you should be able to pick up a blitz coming. And he doesn't even seem to understand the mental part of the game right now. And and maybe this is just who Cam is. Maybe I haven't watched enough of Cam Newton when he was down in Carolina and I'm so used to seeing Tom Brady back there for 20 years pointing out the defense, you know, hey, slide mm-hmm. protection this way, this is where the blitz is coming from. Mm-hmm. You know, the mental game was always there. And I'm sitting there watching on Sunday and I'm like, "Oh, there comes a blitz." And Cam's not seeing it. Like no. he's not seeing that blitz. And I think that's what is so frustrating frustrating i can understand the physical ailments aren't there for you to throw the football down the field i understand that that's fine but the mental part of the game is what i'm so disappointed in cam doing right now no i'm there
2: with you and i was listening to uh 98.5 earlier today and uh, they pointed they pointed out the same thing yeah i think it was felger pointed it out he's like cam goes to the line you you know you hear them call out the mic but you 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 see no you know at the line of scrimmage adjustments from from this offense. And, I mean, I said it too. I was there with you on that, Jay. I'm like, look, there's a, there's a, the the corner of the safety on the uh, the mm-hmm. edge of the line. He's yep. coming. He's, He's coming, coming on the blitz. Yep. You know, you, you can see it from I know exactly the what play you're talking
0: about. I know exactly what play you're talking about because we've been conditioned for 20 years to watch that with Tom Brady and be like, oh, there he comes. We see him right there. Brady's pointing to him. That's where it's coming from, you know?
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm there with you. And, I you know, you see him there. Us at home obviously can see it, but he's looking right at the line. He's looking, you know, left, right. Like, where is the adjustment? And he's a shotgun.
1: Like, it's not like he's under center. Like, he right. has the
2: whole view of the goddamn field. Where is, where is, where is the adjustment? Where, hey, okay, well, the the running back. You're not going out. You're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna chip this guy before you go out. Where, where is that? You don't see any of those protection adjustments at the line of scrimmage uh, with this offense, and it's frustrating to watch because. Like like you said, Jay. You know, you and I sitting at home can see it coming a mile away, and they don't they do nothing about it. This yeah. is this is what it's like to be a fan of a real NFL team. Oh I'm, I'm God, guessing. You know? oh, yeah. I'm, not,
0: I'm not happy with this shit, man. It's
1: it's like it's like that meme of uh, I forget what movie it is, but it's like James Franco uh, like on the gallows, like about to get hanged, and like this one guy's freaking out, and he looks at the old dude and it's like yeah. first time. Like that's welcome welcome to. What the rest of the NFL is right now. Welcome to where the Dolphins have been for the last 20 years.
0: My my final thought
2: about the Patriots is I truly believe that the COVID that ran through this team back in October really hampered their progress. Not being able to practice. They're a team that needed it and, you know, they didn't have it. And it kind of derailed all the momentum they had from the first month of the season, you know, with, you know, beating the Raiders and the Dolphins um, you know at the time the Dolphins we didn't think anything of it but you know right now it looks like a pretty good win so uh, I maintain that and I think that's why the attitude has changed especially with the coaching staff you can kind of hear it when they talk mm-hmm. and it's, it's kind of a bummer but I mean it's 2020. Well mm-hmm.
0: I, I think you know listen I understand that we had a 20-year uh, you know historic run I understand you know eventually we had to go through some of this stuff but Even me, the guy that gives the players most of the credit, because, you know, that's just my philosophy, you know, I give it like a 70-30 split between the people that execute on the field and the coaching staff, but even me kind of started buying into a little bit of, well, listen, it is Belichick after all, he is going to be able to pluck somebody and throw somebody into that system, and we should be okay to tread water we're not treading water right now. Like, we're like I, I, I could not believe what I saw on uh, on Sunday with regards to how bad that offense couldn't figure out protections and couldn't figure out where the blitz was coming from. Like, the mental part of the game, the things that we're the strongest at is, is one of the reasons why we're, the, we're, we're in a situation this year is because we're the weakest at the mental parts of the game uh, this year.
2: You know, you and I have talked about this, and you know, we think back to, what was it, 2009. You know, you have that quote from A Football Life where – yeah, Belichick and Brady I just standing there talking. The way they, yeah, exactly. You can't just get the team to play the way I want them to play. Yep. And, you know, that very well could be the way it is. They are very undermanned at certain at, at very critical positions on, on defense. And that could be playing into it, you know, with the opt-outs and everything. But, again, it comes down to, you know, we could talk all day on this. But, you know, swinging and missing in the draft. Mm-hmm. You know, they just cut a third-round pick from 2017 on Great. Sunday. And, you
0: know. What was the it their favorites?
2: Yeah, they cut yeah. Derek Rivers. He was a plus from
0: day one. I
2: could have seen him a mile away, man. Dude couldn't stay healthy, oh and it's a bummer, but, you know. Hey, what do
0: we it, know? We're just dumb fans, right?
2: Yeah, we're dumb fans. It is what it is.
0: All right. I think we've vented enough.
2: Until <laughs> next should week. We start, should we start playing taps,
1: or? Oh, I
0: can't, I can't wait for this off season. It's It's, <laughs> oh, my God. It's just going to be, like. Like, you, oh, my God. The amount of – Belichick better hit in this draft. Belichick better hit on this fucking draft. That's all I'm saying, all right? He's got three years. He's got three years left,
2: and if he doesn't turn it around in three years, he's going to get let go if he, he doesn't leave on his own.
0: Here's, here's – and this is something to keep an eye out for the next couple of years. Both us and the New York Jets are in a shit situation where we need to rebuild and we don't have a quarterback huh. going forward. <laughs> Who is going to rebuild quicker? And, and that is a question I never thought I had to ask. Um, between us and the Jets in a rebuild time.
2: Are You asking me because I I'm gonna take the Patriots all day on that. Are we
0: sure? I oh, mean I, I, okay. I am. The over Jets the past, can't get out of their own way. Oh, over the past five <laughs> years, have we drafted anybody of value? I mean, if we didn't have Brady, we wouldn't be winning those games. Like I, I just I think. I mean, you had Garoppolo think, in the wings. I think looking forward. Bingo. I think looking forward, it'll be interesting to see which team can eventually put the pieces together around a a quarterback and who's going to be more viable quicker. And I don't know if it's going to be the Patriots. We'll see. I'm
2: sorry. I have faith in Kraft to pick a better head coach than Adam Gase as another head coach. So I, I have faith in the Patriots ownership to, to bring in the next guy more so than I do in New York. And I, and I, New York is a, is a place where players go to die and you know, they ruin their careers. And it's been the same way for, for more than 20 years since Parcells left. It's been that way there. So, I mean, there's no evidence there that the Jets are actually going to turn this around.
0: You say that now, but just two weeks ago, they were out playing the Patriots, and the call came down from upstairs to throw that fucking bomb an uh, and intercept, and throw the interception so they get Trevor Lawrence, okay?
2: <laughs> Look, the Patriots always, the Jets always play the Patriots tough, no matter how good or bad they are. It's just the way it is.
0: All right, let's move on to some, um, was it week 12 already? Week 12 game previews, man. My guy, yes where, where does the NFL season go? You know, we, we got through week 12, then we got four more weeks left, uh, the final quarter of the season. Um, and the first game we're going to be talking about is going to be the 3-7 and seven Washington football team versus the 3-7 and seven Dallas Cowboys. I'm sure you guys are going to be stuffing your face watching this game on Thursday Hell at 4 yeah. p.m. And uh, let's turn it over to Puma. Puma, who got winning this game?
1: So, right off the bat, take it to the bank. Sound the alarm. Take it to the bank. Uh, I love Washington in this game. Uh, I don't really – I don't care about Dallas. You can go back three weeks and listen to my (laughs) epic rant. Um, It's just – Dallas showed out. Don't get me wrong. They showed out. Andy Dalton had himself a day. I think he had three touchdowns, one pick, one hell of a catch by CeeDee Lamb in the end zone against the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, to win an absolute shootout, 31-28. to 28. But I, I, I love the Washington football team this spot. I think, you know, the, the quarterback play, I, I, I love me some Alex Smith. I love the story. They might as well rename the Comeback Player of the Year award after him moving forward. But the secondary for Dallas does not scare anybody at all. Their defense as a whole is, is towards the bottom in total defense. By most metrics, And I think Terry McLaurin or F1 McLaurin, as I like to call him, I think he's in in line for in a line for an absolute (laughs) monster day against Dallas in primetime. I wouldn't be surprised if he got 120 receptions and two touchdowns. Like, I think he could absolutely eat in this game. Uh, I like what Alex Smith has been doing, uh, you know, over the last couple of weeks. Um, He did have one interception against the Bengals, but, I mean, 17-25, one touchdown. He he got a decent amount of people involved. Antonio Gibson, uh, the rookie running back that they drafted, uh, 16 rushes for 94 yards, one touchdown against the Bengals. And I, I think he could absolutely smash in this game, too. I think he could be a dark horse kind of DFS play, depending on what the salary is on DraftKings or FanDuel. Uh, but I, I love Washington in this game. Washington, surprising enough, uh, they're uh, underdogs by three points. The over-under is 46-and-a-half. Uh, I love Washington the points. That's my best bet or my uh, take to the bank. And uh, I kind of like the over in this game. I'm feeling pretty froggy. Uh, so give me Washington
2: in this lineup.
0: Nice. Uh, Bert, you got to win this game.
2: Puma, I 100% agree with you on this. I love what this football team is doing uh, down there in Washington, uh, Alex Smith is a great story. You know anybody who's watched that documentary, E60 documentary. Um, you know sees what he has gone through to get back to this point. Uh, I, you know, I love Antonio Gibson. We'll get into that a little bit later. Um, and then obviously Terry McLaurin. I'm not going to be surprised if he does. You know, he, he scores a touchdown or two in this game either. I, I, Dallas's defense is is not good, and on the offensive side of the ball, I do not believe in Andy Dalton. Um, I have some bitter feelings about him from years ago in fantasy. Yeah. So I, I will never, ever root for the uh, Red Rifle uh, in a game. Um, and yeah,
0: does he deserve a nickname? Like, is he good enough to actually get a nickname? Dude,
2: he was. He was back in the day. He was a good fantasy quarterback, except when a time counted for me. But, you know, I, it, it's an easy nickname, the Red Rifle. I mean, it, whether or not he still has the rifle on his arm is another story if he's got a noodle arm. But anyways, Um the Washington defense is for real. That 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 defensive line, you know, with, with Chase Young down there, uh, you know, this, this defense has been a solid play for me in fantasy all year, despite their record. Um, I I just like for them to cause havoc for this Dallas offense. It's still trying to figure it out. I mean, they played the Vikings last week. They weren't all that. You know, that defense isn't anything to write home about. So, um, yeah, give me Washington here, big time. Give me uh, give it give it to me, thirty one to
0: twenty one. Wow, so we got a couple of Washington we here. Oh, we're, going, here we're going over the
1: over. Okay, All okay,
0: right. okay. I will be taking the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, those, God. Uh, Boo. Let me start oh, with man. this. Oh, man,
1: who knew Skip Bayless was on the show? Hey, <laughs> who knew Skip was dancing to, you know, some <laughs> oh, half-ass song in a woman's, God. you know, Ezekiel Elliott jersey? <laughs> Everybody dance now.
0: Listen, let's start with uh, the, uh, the uh, Washington football team and Alex Smith, man. What an incredible story, and I know we glossed over, but think about the path he had to took. He took right. So he had the injury, right? He had the countless surgeries, the endless rehab. He finally got cleared. He earned a spot on the roster. He worked his way up the depth chart, cracked the lineup, and now he finally got his win. Like that completes the circle, right? And, and you're right, Puma. I think he he's gonna have to have. Uh, the, uh, the the comeback player award uh, handed to him at the end of the year. But he had, he had a very efficient day against uh, the Bengals the other night. He had, what, 17 of 25, 166 yards and a touchdown. Um, mm-hmm. So I am happy to see that. Now, on the other end, uh, the Washington football team, man, their defense is, uh, it's, it's thumper, man. There There's a bunch of thumpers on that team. Um, you know, Joe Burrow obviously went out with an injury uh, in that game. But even before that, I'll send Burge that uh, that video, and I think I sent it to you as well, put mm-hmm. where Chase Young laid out Burrow on the goal. Oh, mind. dead. And, and his soul one, left. Exactly right. I mean, they're just—they're just, they're just really good. They're intimidating. They play tough. You know, Ron Rivera, physical defense. Um, so I do understand where you guys are coming from. But I, the only reason I'm taking Dallas here is because a, it's a division matchup, and b, I do for the first time see some semblance of an offense. Um, ever since uh, what's his face got Dak Prescott. Um, this is the first time since then that the offense looks somewhat functioning. Zeke finally got in a roll. He had 103 yards. You know, Dalton was light years better than Ben Nordalia and Cooper Rush. Um, essentially, he had, what, three touchdowns the other day against the Vikings, which is really good. And, and I just think Dallas seems to have more players on offense um, than the, the Washington football team does. And I do see them going on a run here. I have them winning this game, 28-24, uh, but I also have them win the division as well now that Andy Dalton's back and playing uh, decent, uh, decent football.
2: Insert
1: vomit sound. <laughs> yeah, no shit. I mean, last week was the first game that Zeke had 100, 100 rushing yards, and he had to do that in 21 touches. I, t- I, if this defense was just a squeak, better just Mm -hmm. a little bit better i I might buy into dallas winning this game but just with terry McLaurin, antonio gibson's kind of like a jack of all trades and even like steve simps like he finds the end zone he's a good red zone target Uh, uh.
0: did you uh did you guys hear that story of how mike mccarthy had uh watermelons brought into the team meeting the night prior and they all smashed it with hammers
1: I'm just amazed they bought into that because they were <laughs> they were ready they they were ready to quit on the entire coaching staff yep. outside of the bye week and now all of a sudden Mike McCarthy's going to show up like the comedian Gallagher yep. and start smashing watermelon like are you fucking kidding me like I, knock on wood if you're with me is more legit than, than that that friggin clown well, show
0: well they uh they apparently had pictures of like Dalvin Cook and some of the players on the watermelons and they're smashing it <laughs> yeah. well, did you guys, this, this is one of the main reasons why I hate some of these talking head shows. You know, they're great entertainment. But this morning, uh, Shannon uh, Sharp on Undisputed. Oh, I can't wait for this. Shannon Sharp on Undisputed. Um, and, and listen, I'm sorry if, you know, I'm not understanding it and if I'm insensitive and I'm not getting, you know, the the racial connotation behind this. But he was, you know, alluding to the fact that this was a racist, um, you know, uh, racist thing that Mike McCarthy did, like, especially with the the connotation that Waterman has with black people. Oh, for the love of God. Like, he went there. So, like, I, I don't know if, you know, it is that. I don't know if it's not. I can't speak. But, like, I, like my bullshit media was a little bit up, like, ah, I don't really think that's racist. Or is it? I don't know. I don't know
1: anything. I wonder what the ratings are <laughs> for Undisputed this week. That, that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know that, that's right up there. That's right up there with, like, that bullshit that Skip Bayless was trying to push about Dak Prescott being mentally incompetent as a leader of a football team because he came out and spoke of mental health issues. Fuck out. Those two, th- there's a reason why I don't follow those two guys on social media anymore. I, I, I just, I can't do, I can't do it anymore.
0: Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I'm usually a, a fan of that show and, and I love skip uh, and, you know, Shannon, I could take him or leave him. But after today, I was just like, well, what am I doing? Like, why am why, I, why am I watching this trash? Like if you're going to throw something that, Far out of the realm, you know, like, 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 if for all we know, maybe Mike McCarthy is a racist person, but I don't think that you know tactic he used to try to motivate his team is a racist thing. You feel me?
1: Right. And I feel yeah, like if the players had a problem, they would have called his ass out um, before a hammer exactly. even hit the fucking watermelon. So Skip can go back to trying to call the president to get the national guard in.
2: I I, I lost I lost a lot of following on uh, Skip Bayless when he left First Take and when the ESPN let them go. So I really don't pay attention much to them anymore. And they, I'm not going to touch this topic at all. Mm-hmm. I, I'm mm-hmm. staying a hell away from it. <laughs>
0: all right, let's move on to the night game on Thursday night football. Once we're all stuffed and, you know, sitting on the couches with our, our belts exploding, the, the six – I like to paint the picture, you know. The, the six and four Baltimore Ravens are going to take on the 10-0 and 0, uh, Pittsburgh Steelers in what seems like a, a do-or-die game for the Ravens. Pumo, he got win this game.
1: Uh, well, one we have to—we're assuming that there is going to be a football game because mm-hmm. about f- ten to fifteen players are on the COVID list for Baltimore right now. Uh, the mainstays are, are Mark Ingram and, uh, and J.K. Dobbins. But you know, long story short, I, I love Pittsburgh in this game. I think they're—they're they're the better football team right now. They're the most complete team. This defense is great against the rush, and really, the only thing that Pitt, that Baltimore had going for them. Uh, outside of throwing a ball to uh, Mark Andrews, was running the football and the one guy that was really having a you know a decent game last week and then the week prior, J.K. Dobbins, uh, he's going to miss this game. So I, I like the team. I think they're going to be able to get after it. I think uh, on the offensive side of the football, you know Deontay John, anybody in the Steelers wide receiver core right now would be a number one wide receiver on any other football team in the entire NFL. Like Deontay Johnson's is- you know yeah you know maybe cleveland Till. uh but like deontay johnson's balling out um you know juju smith schuster he's had like a quiet year but like i i'm not ready to write an obituary on him yet um but these guys have just been insane. Chase Claypool, Jay and I, you know, Burge. I'm assuming you loved him in the draft too. Mm-hmm. We're, we're all fans of, of Chase Claypool. Don't and forget what Deontay
0: Johnson, man. I mean that that guy. He's a third provides, round pick, right? Oh my God, that guy provides an element to like the Yin and Yang of Claypool. where Claypool's the big guy that goes downfield, gets the the big, you know. Um, 50-50 balls, but Deontay Johnson, man, like, he's, like, younger, faster A.B. Like, like, I don't understand how he's this good so quick, and, like, he's a spitting image of A.B. Hopefully he has a better character than A.B., but, my God, like, I don't understand how the Steelers keep on drafting these amazing wide receivers. Not to cut you off there, Primo, but go ahead. Yeah, no, I
1: mean, I was just going to say, I was just going to wrap up on Pittsburgh. Like, uh, you know, even James Conner, like, he Mm -hmm. might be able to have a day, and Benny Snell – is going to get a few touches. And I wouldn't be surprised if he falls in the end zone, too, because we don't know if Calais Campbell is going to play this week. Uh, he missed the last few weeks with the calf strain. And it seems to be a lingering issue, clearly. And he's one of the top run stuffers on this defensive unit for Baltimore. And you know we've gotten to it. We've said it many times. Like, this offense, I don't, I don't know what Greg Roman is trying to do for Baltimore, um, where there are games where they clearly should just run the football, like last week in a monsoon in New England and they might have been able to do something with that. Uh, but I think they're just trying to force Lamar into something that he really isn't right now, and he doesn't have the weapons around him short of Mark Andrews. And I think Minka Fitzpatrick and that defensive unit for his Pittsburgh is just going to make Lamar throw the ball to anybody but Mark. And, I mean, hell, who's the, who's like the big threat – like? Do we really Hollywood? feel great about Hollywood? Like, but do we feel great about that? Like, do we feel great about Hollywood? Do we feel great about Dez? Like this this like Willie Sneed is their number one wide receiver right now. Like no, nah, give me Pittsburgh. I, four and a half point favorites. The over under is forty five. Uh, give me Pittsburgh in this matchup.
0: Burger, you got.
2: Now before I heard about the the COVID running through this Baltimore team, I I really liked Baltimore in this game. They always find a way to get up against Pittsburgh, and you know at least put up some fight uh, in the game. I think they lost twenty eight twenty four earlier this year to Pittsburgh. I believe that was up there. Is that correct? Uh, or was it in Baltimore? No, that was in you Baltimore. This it was, was in, in this Baltimore. In okay. Pittsburgh, yeah. I don't know. I this team always finds a way to, to get up for these games in, in you know against the Steelers. It's their obviously their biggest opponent in the division. These teams have been so good for so long that they always seem to to, to duke it out for the division title. Um, the COVID list for Mark Ingram and J.K. Dobbins concerns me quite a bit. Um, for this Baltimore team, considering how dependent they are on the running game, J.K. Dobbins is going to be, you know, a stud for this team for the years to come. Um, four and a half points, you said, is the spread, uh, for Pittsburgh, the favorite? Yes, sir. Uh, if we're picking against the spread, I'm probably going to pick Baltimore in that game. I think this is going to be a close game, you know, depending if more pieces of this Baltimore team end up on the, uh, the COVID list and, you know, whether or not the game actually happens at all. Personally, for me, I kind of hope it gets postponed because I would like to see these two teams at full strength play each other because I think uh, we'd be looking at a real good game there. Um, But if I'm picking against a spread, give me me, uh, Baltimore uh, with four and a half points there.
0: Um, Okay, so... The Ravens, man, they're they're somewhat in a little bit of a free fall. They are nowhere near the team they were last year. You know, certain people before this year even started, you know, had them going 15-1, and 14-2. I, myself, had them in the in the Super Bowl, and it looks like that's not going to happen now. But I don't know where, this, where it went so wrong for this team and so quick. And, and I think when I was watching that game this past Sunday between the Ravens and the Titans, a certain play stood out where, at the end of the fourth quarter, AJ Brand ran over like half the Ravens defense for a touchdown. Um, I don't know if you guys got to saw that that highlight, but it just show it just goes to show you the Ravens have no heart, right? And Lamar Jackson said it himself perfectly in the post game uh, post game show. Like, you know, they wanted it more than us. And it seems like they really did. And I think the Ravens really need to look in the mirror, um, you know, before this game on, on Thursday night because this is a season online for them. Like, the sole reason why I'm picking the Ravens here is because this is it for them. If they lose this game, there's a good chance they're not going to make the playoffs. So this is one of the main reasons why I'm picking uh, the Ravens to win this game in a 27-21 um, uh, final score. And on the other side, the Pittsburgh Steelers, man, listen, they're good. They're 10-0. Um, they played a pretty bad Jacksonville Jaguars our team last week uh, Luton was really bad the quarterback for the Jags like the Pittsburgh defense forced four interceptions and I tell you what that uh, Minka Fitzpatrick trade from the Dolphins last year is looking really, really good right now. Like He seems to be the, the final piece, the final key they needed on that defense to turn that defense from a good into a great defense. Uh, and then we just talked about Claypool and Deontay Johnson. I had those notes as well uh, in my notes, Puma, just how great those guys are. So, you listen, I, I don't feel good about it, but I just know the Ravens need to win this game, and that's the reason why I'm picking them.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I, I agree with you uh, in terms of the Minka Fitzpatrick trade. I mean, I think I laughed at Pittsburgh when they last year gave up that first round. We pick. all did. They, I don't think we like, the they they weren't that? in a good position last year when mm-hmm. they gave up that pick. Um, I didn't mind. Uh, well, <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. But yeah, but I mean, like, he's of pay-
0: a player, man. Like my God,
2: paying dividends mm-hmm. there in uh, in Pittsburgh. That defense is legit. Um, you know, just a side note. Jay, let me ask you this: Do you want Pittsburgh to go sixteen and zero as a Patriots fan? Absolutely
0: not. Of course not. I mean, at some point, I need to start rooting for these guys to lose. here, right. Um, you know, obviously, I want us to have that 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 16-0 undefeated season. And you know, part of me, but the other part of me wants like somebody else to go undefeated. Just so those fucking clowns down in Miami would shut the fuck up. Like, well, who's that old guy that? Who's that old guy? Oh, that talk to me when you're Morris? on my block, Maurice Morris, Morris. Talk <laughs> to me when you're on
1: my block.
0: Yeah, yeah, that, that fucking douchebag that comes on TV every year with the champagne whenever somebody loses the final game and they're undefeated anymore. Like, part of me would love to shove it down that dumbass team's throat. So, I wouldn't mind yeah. it either way, man.
2: I I, I part of me kind of wants them to go sixteen and zero and have a first round exit, or we would have a second round exit mm-hmm. if they have the bye. And just lose so that way everybody can get off eighteen and one and then they can start talking about sixteen and one.
0: <laughs> well, well it is funny that, you know, this deep into the season when we were ten and zero. I remember the like the, the hoopla around that team. Like I remember like the rumbling started happening, but we're not hearing that just yet for the Steelers. And I don't know why that is. I don't know if it's because they haven't blown people out like we did. Like I know the Patriots like week in and week out, like that was the greatest year of football for me because I knew Without a doubt, my team was going to win and win big. And I think that's one of the main reasons why the Steelers aren't getting the love right now is because they haven't really dominated many people.
2: Well, at the same time, I mean, th- that 07 Patriots team, they, they ran in into loaded. some tough games. They yeah. ran in into some tough games in December with that team against Baltimore that. and uh, and uh, Philadelphia, if you remember. Yeah. But I remember Gaffney
0: know, catching that uh, that uh, touchdown in the end zone to beat the Ravens.
2: Yep, yep, exactly. But, you know, this... this Steelers team I mean they do kind of have a cakewalk of a schedule going down going down the stretch here but there's some games you could realistically see them losing and you know Buffalo is one of them although I won't pick Pittsburgh I won't pick Buffalo over Pittsburgh you know how I feel about Buffalo but they also got to play the Browns and you know the Browns are, are you know one of those teams you could almost call them Jekyll and Hyde they either show up and they they, they play really well or you know they, they play really bad you know with Baker Mayfield you know getting benched or whatever so I, there's still a chance for this team to 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 kind of lay an egg and you know we can we can continue to talk about the 16 and 0 talk as we go on as long as the Steelers win but i you know it, it wouldn't hurt me to see them yeah. go 16 and 0 and lose in the first round of the well,
0: playoffs well it looks like i think the real chances for them to lose would be against the colts which is a uh, yep. weak 16 and then the last game of the season against the browns mm-hmm. i don't think the Bengals are going to beat them the bills might i don't know um definitely not the the washington football team and the ravens so they do have four games where it's like all right well either way we'll see who, who's gonna win that game mm-hmm. yeah. totally agree right. let's move on to the uh, 7-3 Tennessee titans coming off of a win against the the Ravens uh, playing the 7-3 and three Indianapolis Colts, who just had a great performance against the Bay Packers. Uh, Pumo he got winning this game.
1: See, this one's hard, man, because, I mean, we just saw these guys play on Thursday two weeks ago, and Tennessee got ran out of that building. In, uh, Indianapolis just had themselves a day. Naheem Hines, I think, had 125 total purpose yards, two touchdowns. And, you know, the, the Titans really got out of their rhythm early in that game. Uh, but... I'm liking Indianapolis in, the, in this one. Uh, they showed me a lot of, of heart in that game against mm-hmm. Green Bay. I mean, they went into halftime, they were down a, a decent amount, and the defense really stepped up. And, and Philip Rivers was was smart with the ball, even though he was dinged up. He had like a toe injury. Uh, he kept changing in and out with uh, Jacoby Brissett. But um, I, I like Indianapolis in this game. I think they're gonna they'll get the season sweep. the The only thing that's a bit concerning is. You know, if they're able, if Tennessee's able to keep this game close and stay true to who they are with, you know, the play action and have Derrick Henry just grind the defense down, and then Ryan uh, Ryan Tannehill goes over the top, uh, then that could make things interesting. We we saw that against Baltimore, uh, but I, I like Indianapolis in this game. They're four point favorites. The over is fifty. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if this goes over because Tennessee's like. Tennessee's defense is a gas can fire like they can't stop anybody they have zero pass rush I think Jadavion Clowney might miss this game with the with a knee injury I don't know if it's just a knee injury or if he got uh, arthroscopic surgery last week I I can't seem to remember but uh, I think he might miss this game and even when he was there they didn't have any pass rush which is surprising for a Mike Vrabel defense but um, I, I like this game. I think Michael Pittman is in a, a smash spot again uh, in this game here. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he finds the end zone and maybe uh, 100 receiving yards in this game. Uh, but give me Indianapolis all day.
0: How about you, Burge? Who you got?
2: Uh, this, is this is a tough one to pick. Um, Indianapolis is starting to show me something. I've been kind of uh, calling them frauds all year, but they continue to win, so I'll take VL on that one. Um, I still love Tennessee. I love Mike Vrabel. I love Derrick Henry. I love A.J. Brown down there with that offense. Um, J- Davian Clowney missing this game could be uh, could be a big factor. I did just uh, look it up. Uh, he did get placed on IR, so he is going to be out Got for it. this game. Um, so I, I, I have a hard time thinking that Phillip Rivers is still not going to throw uh, – You know, an interception or two, uh, maybe to Malcolm Butler, my boy down there. Um, (laughs) The eternal optimist, Eric
0: Burgess. (laughs) (laughs) Did you guys see Malcolm Butler and uh, Harbaugh having some words before the Science game? Uh, Love uh, it.
2: Love it. God.
0: And then Vrabel coming in
2: and and having a word with Harbaugh. You know, it's it's, it's tough for me. You know, this is going to be basically, I think, this is for the division, uh, this game. So it's a big game for both of these teams. Um, if Phillip Rivers is not 100 percent healthy and you know keep having to switch out with Brissett, uh, I love me some Brissett, but you know that just doesn't you know running the two quarterback thing when they works down in New Orleans. But uh, you know what's the spread on this game, Puma? Do you have it? You know uh, right, right now uh, Indianapolis is uh, four point favorites. Oof, give me Tennessee in that. I think this is going to be a close game. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go Tennessee in this game, and I'm gonna say it's gonna be an offensive shootout, 31. 31-
0: Twenty-eight. Oh, nice. Um, so I got Tennessee winning this game because I think it's gonna be hard for me to wrap my <clears throat> mind around the fact that. You know Tennessee, as good as they are, is gonna lose twice to Indianapolis. Essentially getting swept for them. Essentially getting swept um, in the division. But listen, I like what I saw out of Tennessee last week, man. Listen, you know Derek Henry is starting to get back into that form where he's like, you know, coming on stronger as the game, you know, progresses. Last week, like 96 of his 133 yards came after halftime, right, including that big 29-yard touchdown run. To, uh, to ice the game, but I just love the physicality I saw out of uh, out of Tennessee. That AJ Brown, you know, touchdown run where he ran over like three people for the touchdown was also great. Um, they're playing with some fire. Um, they definitely look like the, they want to win. Um, they definitely look like they have a different attitude from the beginning of the year when they lost a couple of games. I'm sorry, in the middle of the year. Um, so because of that, and the fact that I don't really want to, I don't want to you know admit the fact that. They're going to get swept by the Colts. Uh, I think I'm going to have Tennessee win this game, probably in the realm of a 17-14 low-scoring game.
2: Oh, okay. I'm sticking with Tennessee as my pick for the Super Bowl. Let's go. Oh, is it is <laughs> it
0: simply the, uh, the Vrabel factor, or what's the deal with that?
2: Vrabel and Derrick Henry yeah. and A.J. Brown, those 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 three guys down there. I love them.
0: Really? Listen, the way I see it, man, I think Tennessee had his chance last year to win the Super Bowl when they had – um, you know the Kansas City Chiefs on the ropes like twice, uh, mm-hmm. like at ten points. I mean, if you can't win, then like I don't think you're ever gonna win. And, and now, especially the I think the AFC is stronger this year with with the Steelers and the Chiefs as well. I think they're gonna have a tough time winning.
2: I mean, I'll probably go go die on that hill, but it is what it oh, is. I'm so I'm sticking with them. I'm sticking with them. Okay,
0: all right. <laughs> Speaking of those Chiefs, the nine and one Kansas City Chiefs travel to Tampa Bay to play the seven four Buccaneers. Um, who do you guys got winning this game?
1: I mean, Kansas City got out of Vegas alive. It was not an easy game uh, in a a close shootout against the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, uh, I I like Kansas City in this game. Uh, Regardless of whether or not it's it's a primetime game or not, we're probably going to get into the struggles of the Buccaneers in a primetime spot versus non-primetime. But... I, I, I think this offense is just going to roll against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense the, you know, Jay, you were on Twitter yesterday talking about how they regressed and I'll say this much. The first half, the Buccaneers defense laid an egg, but the second half, they buoyed this, you know, the, the mm-hmm. Tampa Bay Buccaneers as a whole to keep them in the game. I think they, they, they got those two turnovers in the second half. They, they got after it and they kept it close. Uh, but like my, my biggest issue and I think we can all agree, is Tampa Bay, for some reason, has been playing a crap ton of zone over the last couple of weeks, and I just think that Patrick Mahomes and this offensive unit is going to pick them apart. And I I, I really don't see how this is only three points that Tampa Bay is the underdog in here. I think it might be a little bit more realistic that it could be like five, maybe five and a half. I know that's not really a common number. Um, but I, I love Kansas City in this spot to absolutely smash, and it's an over-under of 53. Um, give me the over in this game. Uh, I think Kansas City's going to roll.
2: Nice. How about your budget you got? You got that cha-ching, cha-ching ready. Okay. Oh, oh, take it to the bank. Boom. Can- Kansas City's going to roll over Tampa in this game. Uh, roll you know huh?
0: How many points? Uh, uh, Is it going to be like a fifty-five to twenty-one game? No, no, it's not going to be Why that no? bad. You said long no,
1: though. no, it's not prime
2: time. So get out of here. Nice. Get out of here with no, that. Okay.
0: All right, all right. Listen, I'm just Look, trying. To get, I'm just trying to get you guys on a record.
2: I watched that end of that Kansas City game against the Vegas Raiders this past week, and watching Patrick Mahomes move down the field with ease, and I'm talking, it looked easy against that Raiders defense uh, with a minute and, we'll say, 40 left in the game, goes down and scores a touchdown. No problem. You know, there was no question about it. And this offense has too many weapons. You have Tyree Hill, you have Travis Kelsey, and then you have Clyde Edwards-Hilaire out of the backfield, you know, spelled by Le'Veon Bell, of all people. I, you know, and and, and let's get to Tampa Bay watching what that performance was last week. I'm not saying that the Kansas City Chiefs defense is as good as the Rams because they don't have a playmaker like, like Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald on that defense, in my opinion. But Tampa Bay's offense was completely out of sync. Yes. uh, uh, Last night, um, watching that game, you had Tom Brady basically focusing on Antonio Brown the whole game and. He made some very bad throws that resulted in interceptions in that game. I'm just I'm not convinced that the coaching staff of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is going to be able to get them up for this game against the Chiefs. Take it to the bank. Give me Kansas City over Tampa Bay in this game. Let's call it. We'll call it 42 to to 31 in this game. I think it'll be an offensive shootout, but 42 to 31. Okay. Kansas City's offense uh-huh. takes this thing.
0: Only 11 point. Uh
2: win there i thought that's a
0: roll that's a roll that the way you guys were talking is gonna be like a 65 to a 5 kind of game you know
1: (laughs) i mean with how that defense is played in the first half if if they if they have a whole performance like that against this offense
0: let's start with the kansas city chiefs go
2: ahead and pick the bucks
0: don't i really don't care what the record says for the chiefs you know they're 9-1 and and pittsburgh is 10-0 and but i think we can all fairly say that the kansas city chiefs are the best team in the nfl and i don't even think it's even close like, that win over Las Vegas, man, like, Las Vegas is a good team. Like, I, I still understand how we, we beat those, uh, those Raiders back, way back in, you know, in what was it, September, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, but, listen, Mahomes is just unbelievable. The guy is great. And he has the best two weapons in the NFL, and Tyreek Hill and uh, Travis Kelsey, right? Um, on the other side, listen, I expected the Bucks to struggle heavily against the Rams. It's just a bad matchup, right? I mean, the Rams, in my opinion, are sneaky good, and they're, they're that team that's going to eventually come on up and cause some serious issues in the NFC and probably end up winning the NFC West if I think it's going to play out the way I think it's going to play out. Listen, Aaron Darnold, he was causing havoc all night for Brady. He was in his face. But listen, I do believe the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to win this game. And that's because Whoa. that Casey defense is not going to be able to get consistent of pressure um, like uh, like the Rams were able to get on, on Tom Brady. And it's going to be a little bit of a shootout. And in that shootout, I'm going to take old faithful Tom Brady, right?
1: <laughs> I mean, Chris Jones and Frank Clark would like to have a word.
0: <laughs> Listen, that's fine. That, that's totally fine. But I still don't think it's going to be Aaron Donald causing all kinds of pressure up the middle. But I do think one of the key underlying um, things that people overlooked was the Rams are also low-key good at run defense. Like they, they, were able to shut down Rojo and their running attack. And I do believe this week there's going to be a little bit more emphasis put on the running attack. And I think Ronald Jones is going to get 100 plus yards. Um, listen, I, 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 be fully agree that you know the, the Buccaneers are playing subpar of uh, the last three or four weeks. Um, you know, there's quite a bit going on in regards to you know Brady wants to do this. The coaching staff wants him to do that. There's not continuity there, and I think that's really causing issues, especially with the fact that Ab is now in the uh, offensive lineup as well, and Brady's trying to shoehorn him, shoehorn him, shoehorn him into the offense. And we're starting to see that it really cause is causing some issues. So um, I, I do believe the Patriot. I'm sorry, the not the Patriots, the the Buccaneers get it corrected this week. I expect it to be a shootout. We're talking probably like a, I would say 42-38 Tampa Bay victory.
2: Look, I I think I I think that
0: I almost I almost went to do a take it to the bank with this game, but I just have a lot of respect for Casey. But I feel very strongly that the Buccaneers are going to win this game.
2: I think that you know we're starting to see with Brady throwing the deep ball that why are they why are the Bucks trying to do that down there? He's they they're trying to air it out, overthrowing and throwing picks down there. I mean, granted, he does hit on you know a portion of these throws, but like. Why are they not trying to mimic what they were doing in New England that worked for Tom for 20 years? Like, If, if they were doing that, I may feel better about this Buccaneers team, but well, they're do not. You want,
0: do you want my answer? The answer is I do believe this is bruce arians measuring his dick and saying to tom brady you're gonna run my offense i mean that's what's happening here you can see it they will go to that new england offense for spurts and move the ball and then all of a sudden a play call would come in where they're asking him to throw it downfield and it doesn't really make sense and he's forcing it down there and there's this serious rub between tom brady and bruce arians and and i have absolutely no more respect for bruce arians who he is the guy's a loudmouth. the guy talks a lot of shit he, he doesn't deserve to talk all that shit. I mean, if he's like Belichick and he has six Super Bowl rings, maybe I understand that. But the guy is not that good of a coach, and we're seeing it this year by having your quarterback shoehorn in an offense that really isn't conducive to his skill set. He
2: has, right, every right. he, didn't go, he has every he right didn't to go. criticize. He has right. every, right, he has to every right to
1: criticize. And, like, you know, t- this isn't new to Tom Brady that he he shows up and the day after he signs the contract, he finds out that Bruce Arians likes to air the ball down the field. Like, th- this is called the no-risk-it, no-biscuit offense for a reason. And, you know, at this point, something's got to give because he hasn't hit a deep throw since week seven. Since week eight through 11, he's 0 for 19. Uh, zero completion percentage, obviously zero yards per per uh, per uh, attempt, zero passer rating, and uh, zero touchdowns to three picks. And you know it's probably not helping that Ali Marpet is out with uh, out of this offensive line with the concussion. And you know we have seen this offensive line wilter over the last couple of weeks when Ali Marpet hasn't been in. And I don't know if he's going to make it back in time. And that's why I say Frank Clark and. And, uh, you know, Chris Jones would like to have a word because I think they're going to be able to get after it on this offensive line. And I think Chris Jones is is going to force a fumble and Rojo is going to go out of the game and Leonard Fournette and his stone hands that we saw last (laughs) night is is going to come in and he's not going to be able to catch anything. And and that's going to get this whole offense out of whack. I, I just, I don't, I don't see it. And it was like, you know, this offensive unit just has been the struggle bus the last couple of weeks. And. You know, in all facets of the game, like I'm not putting this all on Tom Brady, but he has had bad instances over the last couple of weeks. But this offensive line has been bad. The running backs have been bad. Like if if Leonard Fournette's able to hold on to those balls and keep the drive alive, they probably squeak by and win that game last night.
0: Yeah, listen, at the end of the day, man, like I think we all, you know, I think I understand what you guys are saying, and I think. Looking back at it, it might have been a little unfair to put all of this on Tom Brady, where essentially we're asking mm-hmm. him to come in with no offseason and a pandemic where you can't really have, you know, a preseason or an offseason and get it learn a new playbook, you know, mesh philosophies with your, with your head coach, work all those, you know, uh, kinks out. But they are doing it on the fly. And I think with AB coming into the fold as well, it kind of took them back a few steps, right? It's going to take a couple more weeks. I think you're going to start seeing some of the offense click this week. But I do believe by the end of the year, this offense is going to be clicking at a high level and just in time for the playoffs. Um, but we're unfortunately seeing some of the the struggles they're going through trying to work out the kinks uh, over the last couple of weeks.
2: He should have resigned to New England this year. Given I mean, they're a that's wild card on. team right
1: now. I mean, they... I think they're hanging on by their teeth as a wild-card team. It's close, but like they are if the playoffs started today, they'd be a wild-card team.
0: Who, the Buccaneers? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they got the seventh spot right now at 7-4 because in front of them are the Rams. But the way I see this, the Rams are going to catapult into the NFC West championship game. I'm sorry, the NFC West uh, division title winner. And then eventually, I do think Seahawks are going to fall back down to the sixth spot. Um, and I think the Rams are going to probably squeak in at the uh, – at the number seven seed, and, and before the season even started, I had them around the eleven and five and twelve and f- eleven and five, um, uh, twelve and four mark. I think it's more going to be eleven and five now, and they're right on right, right on target for that.
2: Let me ask you a quick question: If this team is a wild card team, has a one as a first round exit, or if they miss the playoffs, does Arians get fired?
0: He should. I, I absolutely believe he should. I think he, unfortunately, is one of the biggest. Um, issues of this team, the guy can't keep his mouth shut. You don't see any other uh, head coach go on national TV and point fingers at your quarterback. I mean, like I don't understand how what that's gonna accomplish. Most most head coaches protect their uh, their uh, their head coach, and I can totally get behind it if the guy was a winner. But where he's been, he's a fucking loser or or a offensive coordinator, and it's starting to really bug me that he's starting to he's starting to talk all this shit in the media. I mean. Oh, but-
1: he ain't wrong. He ain't pro- yeah, like, that's what I mean. Like, you know what I mean? Like, even if if
0: he's not wrong, Puma, you don't go to the. How would you? How would it look like if you know? You need the, better. You need better. And he's, he's just conveying that. He's being yeah, honest. Yeah, and I mean, no, we can, no, this, this
1: is
2: who... There's this is a difference, who, this there's is a not difference between... Change, change, no, 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 let me talk. There's no, a difference between
0: who, actually saying something in a constructive criticism way and the way that he does it where it's like, oh, well, it's not really on this me. Is, this is, this is, who is, who is on the quarterback. Is.
1: He's done this since Arizona. And like, there's
0: he's a on, reason why he hasn't won a Super Bowl with all the good teams he's had. on because he can't unite a team and provide leadership.
1: I get it. Like, it's a new change of scenery from a guy that's a robot in a hoodie, and he comes out looking like he just came out of a cardboard box. But this is what Bruce Arians has done, and he's had success getting teams to the playoffs and getting teams, you know, banging on the door for a Super Bowl appearance. and but has you know, he gone to Super Bowl? And he, and, but, Jay, like, here it is. Like, we're all acting like this is a surprise. This is what G- – Tom Brady knew what he was getting into. Like Agreed. this is what this is what Bruce Arians is. He is documented on NFL a uh, football life straight up telling the the future Hall of Famer in Larry Fitzgerald, if your football sucks, I'm going to tell you your football sucks. And he's had many a tongue lashing on the practice fields in Arizona, he's dressed down Tyron Matthew. He's dressed down Patrick Peterson. He does not give a fuck. He's going to do whatever he can to push the right buttons to get this, the success out of this team and out of this offense. And this is what he is. And, you know, to to sit back and say, like, you know, how dare he? Brady knew what he was getting into. If he didn't like the coaching style that Bruce Arians
2: was, he wouldn't have signed down there. He should be in New England. Belichick needs Brady. Brady needs Belichick. Exactly. Exactly. That's that's what it is. That's what we're learning.
0: Listen, I mean, we'll see how it pans out. But from where I'm sitting, it's looking like Arians is already distancing himself from Brady almost as pointing the finger. So when the offseason does come and they haven't lived the expectations, he can say, well, listen, it wasn't it wasn't me. It was Brady. Don't fire me. It was Brady. He's already working in this narrative through the media that essentially, you know, it's all Brady and it's not him. When wherever he's been, he's been a fucking loser. He hasn't really won anything at all. You know, you say this is who he is but maybe he should look at his history and see, well, maybe me being who I am isn't really conducive to building a team and essentially galvanizing a team to a common goal. He seems to be dividing instead of unifying a team. And, oh. and it's something you said, Birg, lot, you know, in the beginning of the year, which it didn't really click until like a few weeks ago about the, t- the reason why the Buccaneers are going to be held back is because of Aaron. Is that what mm-hmm. you said, something along those mm-hmm. lines? I agree. I-, I do see what you're saying because I've never seen a coach go out to the media, say this, and you know essentially think it's going to be all right like that's going to eventually cause resentment between you and your players and i, I don't know think and i know he's done it for his whole career but his whole career should be indication that maybe that's not the right way of doing it maybe he should evolve and progress as a coach
2: but well, i I'll say I, this I don't think though. that's the sole reason that he's going to lose that he's going to that he's going to fail down there i think it's his game planning and scheming yeah, and he, he's i pretty pretty have bad no problem well. i have no problem with him calling players out like that I, I wish i wish that would happen more in the league to be honest with you, with the amount of divas that are in the league they should be called out, and I have no issue with what he's doing with that. It was with the the game plan, and the scheming, which is why I think he was going to fail down there.
1: Right, and I'll say this much too about Bruce Arians getting fired at the end of the year. Like I think Jason Light hooked his wagon onto Bruce Arians and Tom Brady, and mm-hmm. I, I, you know if if he gets rid of Bruce Arians after the season and say they go into next season, and you know God forbid they have the same performance like they did, now they're going to be out of a general manager who's who mortgaged draft picks to get Tristan Wirfs and signed Antonio Brown and all these other things. Uh, no, I think, I think Bruce Arians is going to be there for the duration of Tom Brady's contract along with Jason Light because all their chips are in the middle of the poker table right now.
0: What there? I understand is I don't understand why when Peyton Manning went to the Broncos, John Elway and that coaching staff said, hey, here's the playbook. You do what you want. You let us know what works best for you and we'll make that happen. I don't understand why Bruce Arians hasn't done that. Like We all say the risk it, biscuit, offense, whatever the fuck you want to call it. What does like? What does that mean? Like, that hasn't won a Super Bowl. He's barely gotten a team to the NFC Championship game. Like, how how is that offense that hasn't been productive gonna override you know essentially Tom Brady's skill set and his offense that he wants to run that he won six Super Bowls with? Like, I can't compute that. Like, why is he? Why is he so fucking hell bent on making sure people realize how much of a genius he is and how he's gotta constantly throw his dick out and be like, oh, dude, I'm fucking Bruce Arians, fucking jackass. Well, I
2: think, I, think, I think every NFL coach should cater their offense to the skill set of the quarterback that they have. And you, that, that's a lot of times why quarterbacks get ruined in the league. They don't cater the offense to their skill set. That's why Baltimore was so successful last year. They, had, they catered their offense, they switched their offense completely to cater to Lamar Jackson. And you don't see that all that often. And I think that's a big problem in the league.
0: Alright, let's move on to the five and five Chicago Bears versus the seven and three Green Bay Packers. Uh, Pumo he got winning this game.
1: I barely took notes in this game because I, I just I don't give a shit about the Chicago <laughs> yeah, me Bears. Too. Um, me too. the the the, the Chicago the, the Green Bay Packers are eight and a half point favorites. The over under is forty five and they're playing at Lambeau Field. And if you suffered in silence and only watched that monday night football game uh that the uh the bears had versus the minnesota vikings for fantasy purposes and or financial incentives i.e betting then god bless you but the green bay's gonna roll in this game and you know eddie jackson's on the COVID list for the chicago bears that secondary is going to take a huge hit but on the offensive side of the football we don't know who's going to play quarterback nick Foles has a bum hip uh mitchell trubisky has a a shoulder issue they were bringing in people off of the street uh free agents to work out for the team at the quarterback position there there is nothing inspiring about this offensive unit for the chicago bears and i was on monday night on twitter at one point just asking when does the chicago bear defense just take a steel chair and hit like ryan pace and nick Foles and Matt Nagy upside the head because the the offensive unit is just f- fucking brutal, and this defensive unit is a Super Bowl-caliber defense despite what the record shows. And, you know, Khalil Mack is just wasting away in Chicago. When Imagine if he could have just worked out a deal and stayed in, in Vegas or Oakland at the time. Um, I, I like Green Bay to roll in this game. They were one Marquez Valdez-Scantling fumble away from – from stealing the deal against Indianapolis, even though that defense for the Packers wilted uh, over the stretch of the game against Indianapolis. But, I mean, there's there's just literally nothing. I can't can't get that point across enough that there's nothing inspiring about this offensive unit for the Bears. Like, David Montgomery right now looks like a bust. Like, we were told he was going to be like Saquon Barkley and like five other running backs combined in this one little body uh, coming out of Iowa State I believe and he just has not lived up to expectations and Green Bay can be had on the ground but like uh, unless Patterson Patterson's gonna be running the football out of the backfield which he has uh, I I just don't think it's gonna happen I think Green Bay rolls in this game eight and a half seems a little bit steep though maybe Chicago gets like a backdoor cover somehow but I like Green Bay to win in this game
2: I'm with you there I'm with you there on uh, on this game, I, I like Green Bay to roll here. Eight and a half does steam, seem steep to me. Um, I, I like the Bears to cover in this game, but I, like you said, they were a Marquez Valdez Scantling fumble away from sealing the deal in that Colts game. This Green Bay offense is good, is 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 really good. Um, you know, with with Devonte Adams, Aaron Jones, and um, you know, obviously Aaron Rodgers at the helm, um, but. Chicago's offense can't seem to do anything. No matter who's playing quarterback for them, they get nothing out of uh, any kind of production. Really, out of both of them, it's 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 so hit or miss with them. You know, David Montgomery. uh, I'm a big you know fan. I hold him in two, or I did hold him in two of my fantasy leagues, and he gets so much volume, but he can't do anything with that volume on the ground. And maybe maybe this week with him back with the change in uh in play calling for the Bears, maybe he gets going a little bit against his Green Bay rush defense. But at the end of the day, I Green Bay is gonna prevail in this game and uh but but I do like Chicago to cover that eight and a half point spread.
0: Yeah, listen, Now this is the easiest game for me to pick this week, so that's why I made it my ticket to the bank. And I'm going to have Green Bay winning. Um, even though I did see some things out of Green Bay against the uh, the Coastals last week, that was a little bit alarming. Mostly the fact that Green Bay had, you know, essentially a very ugly loss to Indianapolis. And the fact that they couldn't score in the second half or overtime. Um, they had a 14-point lead at halftime and didn't score after that 28-14 lead. Um, and it was really bad that Aaron Rodgers, as much as, like to, as much as I'd like to brag on on Tom Brady, he had a really bad second half. And on top of that, he missed a wide open – what's that tight end's name? Tunyon? Um, oh, yeah, Robert Tanyon, oh, I mean, yeah. Tanyan, yeah. He, he had Robert Tunyon wide open in the end zone um, to win the game essentially with like – 14 seconds left on the clock or whatever it was really in the game. But instead he made his mind up and he wanted to go to the left side of the field to Devontae Adams. And it was covered just a bad read, bad, you know, that bad. was such a
1: weird drive. Like they had that huge play by Adams and then he rushed to clock it and just burned it down when they had plenty of time to run another play to get into the end zone. It was, yeah, it was weird. Yeah, and
0: if you guys watch that play again, it's pretty bad that Tunyon is wide open, but unfortunately Rodgers made his mind up to go to the left side of the field, and I don't know why he did that. But listen, I think it's still, it's still, you know, yeah, it was a lo- bad loss, but Green Bay's still a decent team. You know, the real question is who's is going to be starting for Chicago? Is it Turbisky? Is it going to be Foles? We really don't know yet, um, and it really doesn't really matter. It doesn't really truly really matter, truthfully. Um, I think Green Bay's going to win big here, man. I think it's going to be like a, like a 31 to a 17 kind of win.
1: Oh, blowout you know to the quarterback situation like say what you want about trubisky at, at least the guy could move in the pocket to keep the play alive mm-hmm. you, you know what i'm saying like f- fucking Foles is just a statue back there man and like I, I i don't know how ryan i i don't know how ryan pace one has had a job still and two I don't know how he has a job at the end of the season because they spent so much capital and they had to eat so much of Nick Foles, contract to bring him in when, you know, we could say what we want about Cam Newton. Like you could have got him on the, on the, on the cheap. Like it saved those draft picks that you need because you burned them up getting Khalil Mack over there from Oakland. Like I, I hope Trubisky plays. I really do just to see at least what this offense would look like again, if he could keep the play alive like that. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't fucking
0: know. Yeah, and then finally, the seven three Seattle Seahawks play the three six and one Philadelphia Eagles. Um, when you guys answer, work into your answers if you think Carson Wentz should be benched or not, because I'm starting to get to the point where I think that's something we seriously have to discuss.
1: Um, to, to answer that question, I, I don't think he's getting. I don't think he's getting benched. I don't, that's not the question.
0: Th- should he though? With how badly he's played. I know he won't. I mean, they're going to write it out. But does this bad play warrant essentially having that conversation inside that that organization?
1: Mm, well, it's almost like what comes first, like the chicken or the egg. Like, he's played bad, but this team has had a rash of injuries dating all the way back to last season, like this offensive line's in shambles. Uh, Jason Peters has been moved all over the place because of injuries. One of their stud offensive linemen didn't even start this year because of a blown I believe a blown Achilles, um, Lane Johnson's been in and out of the lineup. Their leading wide receiver is a guy off the practice squad from the lions and, and Travis Fulgram, I, you know, it's hard to say. It's like, I said, it's like, what, what came first, the chicken or the egg? I, optics wise and stats would say bench him, but I, at this point, I think you just have to suck it up and deal with it. Like unless Carson gets hurt, which isn't beyond the realm of possibility. I think, you know, you in this division, you, you live and die with, with Carson Wentz at this point. And it'd be interesting to see like, if they're actually able to get a connection between him and Jalen Rager uh, in this game. Uh, But I like, I like Seattle in this game. I mean, the defense kind of shows some semblance of life against, the Arizona Cardinals on Thursday night in a must-win situation. Carlos Dunlap had himself, I believe, three two or three sacks in that game. Uh, absolute stud in that pickup uh, from the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, you know, Jamal Adams played the game. He actually made the whole game. He wasn't that much of a liability in coverage. Um, Chris Carson should actually be back for the Falcon, uh, for the, the Seahawks rather, in this game. Um, and. It's the secondary for, for the Philadelphia Eagles. Like, they're, they're another gas can fire waiting to happen. Um, I like the Seattle Seahawks. Seattle's five-and-a-half point favorites, the over-under. It's 51. I, I kind of like the over in this game, but give me
2: Seattle to win outright uh, for sure. I'm there with you, man. Don't uh, – I, I? nothing has uh, been there to – let me buy in on anything the Philadelphia Eagles have done this year. Um, give me Seattle big in this game. I, you know, I mean, it may be you may get some offense out of Philadelphia here, but you know, give me Seattle here. DK Metcalf, two touchdowns. Let's go for fantasy purposes. Oh, I, need eat. I need it. I need it. So yeah, give me Seattle here. We'll, uh, can you repeat uh, the the uh, spread and the over/under line here? Yeah, the the spread
1: five and a half point favorites for the Seahawks. over unders at fifty one.
2: I, I like this. I like Seattle to even cover that. Um, yep. I, I think it'll be a touchdown a touchdown win for them. Um, Philadelphia, you know, they're a mess. And while they may be at the top of that dreaded division in the NFC East, they're just such a bad team. And you know, getting to the whole Carson Wentz thing, should he be benched? This year, no. I mean, they're, they're top their division. You got to ride the guy that you know has been there for so long, and um, you know for the last four years. And you got to ride him through the end of the year. Maybe the end of the year, you, you have that discussion. You know, they had, do have Jalen Hurts from Alabama that they selected in the draft this year. Um, especially considering Carson Wentz's enj- injury history, where he's gotten hurt quite a bit in the last few years. Um, but you, you you don't sit him down at this point.
0: Yeah, listen, and I know you don't, um, but I think with just how bad he's playing, and it's not bad, and I understand the fact that he has a lot of injuries around him and, you know, he's down quite a bit of weapons, but now he's making mistakes that aren't involved with the offense, like the offensive talent. It's him just hindering the offense, holding on to the ball too long throwing up stuff when he's getting sacked that's right into defenders' hands. Like, it's, it's starting to become to a point where I'm questioning his decision-making skills. And that's the reason why I pose that question. I know at the end of the day, the franchise isn't going to come off of their $166 million man. But the question needs to be asked, why did you invest a second-round pick in Jalen Hurts, right? You know that eventually Carson Wentz will get hurt at some point, or, you know, in, in this case, you know, he's, uh, he's playing badly. So, you know, you took somebody high in the second round, maybe you think about starting him. On the other end, the Seattle Seahawks, I mean, they're going to win this game easily. I think this is going to be not a blowout, but it's going to be like a 10-point win. Um, which I guess is a blowout in the NFL. But I think the GM for the Seattle Seahawks, uh, John Schneider, he had out of the park when he drafted – I'm sorry, he traded for Carlos Dunlap. The guy already has 3.5 sacks, and he's kind of like the spark that they needed um, to kind of turn the corner on that defense. I think as we go down the stretch, the Seattle Seahawks are really going to get better and stronger on defense and obviously continue that great offensive output with Russell Wilson and Lockett and DK Metcalf. So uh, I think Seattle Seahawks win this game fairly easily.
1: And uh, for the for Eagle purposes, just on the offensive side of the football, I mean, one, there's no they can't move off of Wentz yep. because it's a $59 million cap hit next year. Mm-hmm. The, the, cap, the, the potential out in that contract is 2022. And, and two, for some reason, I, I think maybe Wentz has had more of a connection with Frank Reich than Doug Peterson. I think a lot of that success out of that Super Bowl year uh, when uh, when they beat the Pats was you know more I think more Frank Reich than anything and I think we're seeing that a lot more now uh, with how the Eagles have looked. I mean Alshon Jeffrey has always been this has been the squeaky wheel ever since Frank Reich left. Uh, he's always the anonymous source going to Josina Anderson about wide receivers and offensive people not being happy uh, unless your last name is Ertz, in that offense. And you know I, I think. Frank Reich has a lot of success, and if for some reason, if for some reason, Howie Roseman and Jeffrey Lurie, uh, or Loria are, you know, in the market of, fuck it, we'll just eat the $60 million cap hit. If I'm the Colts, I would, che- I would trade my mid-first-round draft pick in a heartbeat and get Wentz, and, because I think Wentz with his boy Frank Reich, uh, or hell, even Sam Darnold with Frank Reich, I think that would be an instant upgrade and a massive boost to that indianapolis colts offense if he could get his hands on those guys
0: yes sir all right let's move on to some take it to the bank parlay action puma what you got this week
1: all right so uh last week the parlay got busted because the arizona cardinals did not cover the uh three-point spread who
0: fucked up which one of us fucked up
1: hey hey not me i went
2: with the points went with the points did we get the points
0: did we hit on everything else besides that
2: we did. This
0: motherfucker. This hey. motherfucker Puma. It's fine. i <laughs> with the points. And guess
1: what? I'm going back to the wall on the points, too. So the first leg of the take it to the bank parlay, you have the Washington football team plus three. Uh, my compadres, Jay and Burge, they respectively have taken the Green Bay Packers money line and the Kansas City Chiefs money line. I know if you put all that in a parlay, it's not the greatest payout. I think if you put, like, 10 or 20 bucks. Debt. 20 bucks will probably get you 70. 10 will probably get you 50. Something along, something along those lines. Real quick, separate, my own personal best bets that I like. I like the uh, over in the Chicago Bears game. The over-under is at 45. Uh, Denver. I like Denver plus five and a half points and the under of 43 and a half in that lovely matchup this week. Uh, the over-under for the Atlanta-Vegas game is 55 and a half. I love the over in that game. Uh, We're going to do a little teaser parlay as well, too. Uh, Cleveland uh, and Green Bay, I'm going to put them in a six-point teaser. I'm teasing the the Browns down to uh, just half a point. They just have to win. And the Green Bay Packers, the eight-and-a-half seemed too much for me. I'm teasing that down to two-and-a-half-point favorites. Uh, So lock those in as my best bets and take it to the bank.
0: Nice, nice. And then finally... We're going to talk about some fantasy football action with the Burge in our segment called Bullets with Burge.
2: All right. Well, I, I'm going to start off by saying I have a lock for this week, um, and it kind of ties into our Take It to the Bank parlay with the Washington and Dallas game on our lovely holiday of Thanksgiving this year. Give me Antonio Gibson as a lock this week. Um Playing against the uh, the deep Dallas defense that has given up the second most fantasy points to running backs all year this year. And let's not forget the matchup against the Cowboys back in week seven when in a half-point PPR league, Antonio Gibson racked up almost 19 points rushing the ball 20 times for 128 yards and a touchdown. So give him to me as a walk for your lineup this week. Put him in if you have him, and he should be starting, and count on him to to earn you some points this week. And now, uh, next part, guys, feed me some questions.
0: All right, so I only got one, and the question essentially centers around T. Higgins. I mean, with Joe Burrow going out, obviously I assume that drops his value, so T. Higgins or Kenny Galladay, it's kind of a shit to pick between those two, but who am I going with in that situation?
2: If Kenny Galladay if, is healthy, if, Ken, if
0: Kenny Galladay is healthy, he's question. If he is now. healthy,
2: smashed Kenny Galladay there. Okay. I mean, when Kenny Galladay's been healthy, he's been effective in that uh, Detroit offense. So you know, that, there's no question there. Um, if you have another option outside of T. Higgins, um, if Kenny Galladay can't go on Thursday, uh, you might want to consider that just because you don't know what you're going to get out of out of the Bengals this week.
0: Yeah. And then uh, I'm sorry a uh, quick uh, question as well. So essentially uh, our boy what's his face? Um, th- 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 Mixon. He's on IR again. He seems to be healthy he seems to be hurt for most of the year. Do I hold on to him or do I try to drop him and pick somebody else up?
2: Um are you in playoff contention? Yeah. I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't cut ties with him because you know once he's back healthy again, and, you know, I think he's on a three-week IR, so he yep. could come back in three weeks right around playoff time. I wouldn't I wouldn't cut ties with him. I would hang on to him. You know, hopefully your league has an IR spot that you can stash him on. Um, if not, he's still worthy of a bench spot at this point, especially going into the playoffs.
0: Cool. cool. That's, uh, that's it for me, sir. Uh, putting us all you, man.
2: Yeah. Uh, well, real quick about the Galladay thing. It looks like he's
1: trending down, so I think that answers your question, Jay. He missed a walkthrough today, so – It sounds like it might be the Marvin Jones show. Um, Burge, real quick, I mean, I've been rolling the dice with the Buccaneers DST, and uh, I'm dropping them like a bad habit this week for waivers. What are some DSTs that you would like to stream this week, uh, you know, given some of the matchups, if you are like me, holding on to the
2: Buccaneers? But I'm dropping them. Washington Redskins would be a uh, big uh, stream this week just because, you know, um, you don't know what you're going to get out of that Cowboys defense. Another one, another interesting one that I'm going to come up with right now is the Minnesota Vikings. Um, uh, who are they playing? I just had it up.
0: Oh, my goodness. The Vikings? Uh, yes. Um, I think they're playing. Panthers, the
2: Panthers, the Panthers. Uh, the Panthers. Yes. So you don't know what Teddy Bridgewater you're going to get out of that. They are an interesting option. Another one that I, I wouldn't fade this week is the New York Giants playing against the Cincinnati Bengals. Oh, yeah, that's um, yeah. The Giants' defense has shown effective against some other matchups earlier in this year. Um, they're another one that you could stream um, to pick up here. And uh, let's not forget the, your Miami Dolphins playing against the New York Jets. Oh, yeah, true. That That's a good
0: one, yeah. Yeah, then I'm gonna again, fade Joe, my own team. I'm Joe Flacco. Fade my- <laughs> Joe Flacco might become Joe Montana again. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna fade
1: my own team in that one. Oh. And, um, yeah. I I kind of like the Giants pick for sure. I, I'm kind of the the psycho that thinks they could potentially win this division. Like yeah. I, with how hard they've been playing for Joe Judge, yeah. I, well, I wouldn't be surprised.
0: I'm glad you brought that up because my last question to you guys was going to be before we kind of end the podcast was quickly: Who do you think is going to win the NFC East? I think I'm going to have the Cowboys win it. You said you think the Giants. Uh, how about you, Burge?
2: I'm going with the football team.
1: Mm. I, I would be yeah. Like I was torn. I'm I'm with Burge. Like I could definitely see it going the football team too. I just really love how, you know, say say what you want about the record for the Giants, like they've played hard every single game and they've been in a majority of those games. So, and I, I think this defense is finally coming along. It, it was hard. It was tough.
0: I can't believe it's Week Twelve and every single team in the NFC East has three wins. <laughs> like, let that sink in for a second. Let let that sink in how bad that is.
2: Anybody bashing the AFC East can take a. Oh my hike.
0: God! I heard that for years and years on end. Uh, the AFC East was never this bad, man.
2: Nope, never this bad. But you know, at the same time, I picked I picked the football team here. I easily could see the Giants winning it. I'll fade on Dallas and in Philadelphia all day.
0: Yeah, cool. Um, anything else you guys want to get to before we plug it up and call it a wrap for Podcast Sixty Nine T? Giggity. Wow, I'm actually
1: amazed. That was the only time we heard a t he or yeah, or right? Uh, no. a giggity! Branded. I was like mentally Branded. doing Branded. my own. Oh, you oh, insulted
0: okay. me! I'm a professional podcaster, buddy. Yeah, I, I wish know.
1: people, I wish people could see our group <laughs> chats. Um,
0: <laughs> no,
1: uh, just me really. me. Tra-
0: I love me the train emoji. <laughs> yes, that, the train emoji is going to be the the podcast 69 uh, cover art. <laughs> yeah,
1: with the with a picture of Gronkowski in the background. <laughs> no, uh, I don't have anything else to get to. I think I'm going to be speaking for all of us everyone out there just listening have a safe healthy happy thanksgiving enjoy football uh if you're driving to a relative's house and it's a bit of a ways be Mm -hmm. sure to download this podcast on spotify soundcloud google play stitcher pro football radio podcast facebook instagram Pro Football Radio Podcast, Twitter at PFR Podcast. I'm on Twitter, Brando underscore Puma. Jay Chima is at Jay Chima. Our compadre, our senior NFL analyst, contributor, Eric Burgess is at uh, Burge, the goalie, going toe-to-toe with uh, his boy Adam Jones on the Twitter machine. (laughs) Always a good follow. Like, subscribe, download, hit us up. Tell us what your favorite dish is for Thanksgiving, and uh, enjoy a great day of football with the
2: fam. Yeah. I just want to go on record one thing right before we sign off here. I'm going to go on record with this. I'm probably going to eat crow on it at the end of the year. Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to miss the playoffs this year. Let's oh, go. Oh, this
0: motherfucker. Oh, I don't
2: think they're that far off.
0: <laughs> well, just like Kuma said, we are thankful for you guys. I'm thankful for you guys, thankful for the podcast. Um, we hope you guys have a safe, uh, enjoyable holiday, and we'll talk to you guys next week.
1: Viacondio, so real quick, real quick, Freddy Soliones, <laughs> you're <fired. laughs>